Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by Graf Martin Communications, where we discuss ministry, marketing, and leadership for good. I'm your host, Ellen Graf Martin, and each episode you get to join me in conversation with some of the most interesting changemakers and groundbreakers from across Canada and beyond. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changemakers podcast for a very honest conversation with Bev and Drew Marshall. Now, if you have not listened to part one of this interview where I sit down just with Drew, please download this, go back and listen now. I'd really encourage you to listen to episode six of the Changemakers podcast and then jump into this one. Drew was the longtime host of the Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show. And I've known Drew and Bev for about 15 years now. He joined us on the podcast earlier this season in episode six, because you're going to go back and listen to that one, right? And it was a great, honest conversation about his doubt, leadership, and struggling with his faith. In this episode, I sit down with both Bev and Drew to discuss marriage, what to do when it falls apart, and whether or not ministry is compatible with wrestling with faith. In this episode, Bev, Drew, and I dive deep and we chat about what it looks like to be married to someone with major doubts about their faith, about whether it is okay to be in ministry and not have all the answers, about whether relationships can work without faith as a common denominator, about treating ministry and leadership as a job rather than having a personal relationship with your creator, and using ministry to mask other problems like a crumbling marriage. It's a great conversation. Let's jump in. Today on the Changemakers podcast, we actually have two guests for the price of one. So we actually have two guests. Someone's getting paid. Someone's, no, we, this, is, this is still a Christian podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we have two guests for the price of one. We have Drew and Bev, actually it should be Bev and Drew Marshall in studio with us today. I am so excited that you get to listen in on this conversation and be a fly on the wall here. If you listened to Drew's podcast already, um, you kind of know what to expect, but Bev is very different from Drew, and we're going to talk a lot about that and how this works. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about leadership. Does Is Drew actually a leader? He says he's not, but I think Bev and I disagree with him. And, uh, and what does that look like? And what does life look like for them now? Uh, are marriage and ministry and leadership incompatible about wrestling with faith and all those things? So we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm so glad you're here to listen. And thanks for joining us. So Bev and Drew, I'm so glad you are here. And so okay, Drew has told us that you started off your day watering horses <laughs> and cleaning up poo. <laughs> that was his word, not yes. mine. Mm-hmm. Manure. Manure would be the nicer way to say it. Doing the morning chores. <clears throat> Doing the morning chores is a much. So, Bev, what would you say your life looks like now? Well, I have a little bit of quiet time to myself in the morning uh, while Drew is getting his beauty sleep because he requires a little bit more beauty sleep than me. He does. We're not. Hold on. I'm awake between three and five every morning. Regardless. On my knees before the Lord. <laughs> okay. okay, now we're looking at Bev for the honest answer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so I have a little bit of uh, quiet time in the morning to myself. Um, and then I am in business mode, cafe mode. Um, I am looking forward to making that switch. And Drew's helping to make that switch to uh, help me have more time at the farm 
to enjoy the farm, the horses and the gardens. But yeah, most of my time is for my cafe. And when I first met you, which was a long time ago, it would have been at one of Drew's, one of Drew's Christmas dinners, which you were orchestrating in many ways. Um, it was at Teen Ranch. And so yes. are you still, I don't, I actually don't know the answer to this. Are you still at Teen Ranch? You're still involved with horses, but um, how many years were you at Teen Ranch? Oh, I was there most of my adult life other than little stints where um, I worked elsewhere, but mostly my entire adult life as of three and a half years ago. Um, and then I got into this lovely uh, cafe just as a general manager and then uh, ended up buying it. So kind of went from being, uh, yeah, working crazy hours at the Christian camp at Teen Ranch to having my own business. So you've been in ministry too. So yes, <laughs> most my adult life. So you, and I think you are actually on your, in your own right, you've been a leader in ministry, but a very different looking leader than your husband. Um, I think quieter. Is that fair to say? Oh, behind the scenes for sure. I mean, I've had leadership positions, um, being in charge of things, but I'm yeah, a little bit more behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think a little bit more diplomatic than Drew. Probably. Yes. (laughs) I think that's fair to say. So... So when I when I met you, you do were, I need to be here for this? Yeah, you need to be here eventually. <laughs> for eventually this abuse, called on. <laughs> no, and and we both know and love Drew. You love him more though, so that's really good. <laughs> some days. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, well, you know, one of the big questions, so if if anyone has listened to the first podcast, they know that Drew has been a public doubter and you were working at a Christian camp, which is an interesting dynamic. And so I guess one of my big questions for both of you, um, but you first, Bev, is how does that work? Like, how do you be working in the work that you do and be married to a very public wrestler daughter? And I would call him a pastor to the spiritual vagabond, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, you know, that's a new, new thing for you. But yeah, how does that work? I think he kind of said it in the last uh, podcast where, um, there is a certain thing, oh, that's just Drew. He's going through something right now. I thought it would be a fairly short phase. Um, I thought, you know, like he said, we all wrestle with that at some point, but I thought he was just wrestling that had to find out um, some things. But sometimes as young people, especially in Christian camping, you come to faith, that you just adopt that faith, you you go with it without having those early on checking out for yourself. So I thought he was just having that moment where he wasn't sure and asking the questions, but I thought it was going to be much more temporary than it was, is. Mm-hmm. Like a yeah. crisis of faith. Yeah. And then, you, more, yeah, then more, you come out the other side. Right. Exactly. I just thought he was, yeah, that's a good way to put it, a crisis of faith. So yeah, I didn't think it was going to be an ongoing thing and I didn't think it was going to be quite such a grand scale, uh, but it's been, been very interesting for me to come alongside because it hasn't really affected me and what I believe, but it's been able to, to realize that there's so many people out there that doubt their faith. Mm. And I, I'm very much like you, where I think I have a spiritual gift of faith too. So we just take things and we believe them for what they are without asking the questions. And we don't need to ask the questions. No. So we just, yeah. it's just there where so many other people don't have that. So as you get older and and you maybe come out of your, how did you say it? Cocoon? Well, not even cocoon, but your um, whatever religious 
um, tribe tribe that you've grown up, whether it's a church or a camp or evangelical or or whatever it is, um, you know, they form your opinions. So when you start looking outside of that and talking to the bigger family and seeing what they believe, you think, oh, okay, well, there's more questions. So I think Drew's ahead was ahead of his time even more than me as far as asking the questions and not believing things just for the sake of believing them because of the tribe that we were brought up in. Mm-hmm. And yours, would you still call yourself part of the tribe or of the family? Yeah, I'm not near as involved as I was. And I think part of your identity when you're in Christian camping and working in ministry, it becomes part of your identity as as opposed to your relationship with the Creator. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, and I think people who have a strong faith, too, can sometimes let go of that strong relationship one-on-one because the faith is there as opposed to doing it in and out and orchestrating it through your job or whatever it is. Um, I guess kind of even like pastors, it's a job. Sometimes when you're in ministry and it's a job, it's very easy to blur those lines a little bit. Oh, that's really good. That's, that is really good. You Wait, married you a say? smart woman, Drew. <laughs> you know, and inci- that is that is really great insight because I do think, and so I think what you just said, I have to remember exactly, I don't want to misquote you, is that sometimes when it's your job, it can become about, be about the job except for your, uh, and, and not your relationship with the creator. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a trap. That And I've seen it, I've experienced it myself where, so I've been working as a professional Christian. I do that in air quotes because I don't think you can be a professional Christian really um, because it is, it's your relationship with the creator that becomes your career. And, uh, and so it, that, that, okay, that is something that I want to think about and I want to talk about a little bit. So what does that look like um, as your husband wrestles? Like, so Drew, you've seen a lot of people who this is their job. And I mean, this is so for people who are listening. This is this is them too. But are we? So are we not all sick and tired of hearing ridiculous stories about spiritual leaders tanking, like the rest of us tank, mm-hmm. but it becomes a public thing because of the hypocrisy associated with it? Mm-hmm. Are we not? Are all sick and tired of hearing that? So stop, step down, get out of it, you moron. Grow a pair. <laughs> and we might say it differently, Bev and I. No, because this is what it, th- I'm saying. This is how it happens. Mm-hmm. The job description becomes mm-hmm. um, a way uh, more important thing than than the actual spiritual growth that the job description is about. Yeah. Yeah. And I and so it's interesting because I had Allison Alley on the podcast. She's the new CEO and president at Compassion. And she was talking about one of her guiding principles. The first one is rooted. And that's about that her relationship with God actually has to be rooted before any of the other stuff happens. So like that is an, a huge intention for her. And I'll tell you that I don't know too many. I do know a lot of leaders who who are very rooted. But I would also say I don't hear them articulate that very often. Like, so if I had a young leader that was near me, what would I say? Because they all people always come asking, how do I grow my platform? They don't come and ask. And so these are big questions for you guys, too. What's their platform? What's their what platform? does that mean? How, how do I become famous? Tell me how they I get to do yeah, that. I get asked that all the time. So about how do I grow my platform? But very few people come and say, how do I become more rooted. 
And like, how do I actually grow deeper instead of wider? <laughs> I know Drew's blow, this blows his mind. I'm a Christian marketer. And so I think that they think like that's my job is to make people famous. But the reality is that our job, you know, for me as a Christian marketer is but to- hold on, hold on, this is the <laughs> antithesis of, of Jesus. The number, even people who are ignorant about Jesus know that Jesus had something to do with if you want to be a big deal, get small. Yep. It's it's true, says the man who had 200,000 people listen to his show. <sighs> so how do you, but people want that. People want the 200,000. But I think the, yeah. the only, re, we talked about this already, the only reason that grew was because I wasn't an answer man, was because I wasn't a leader. It was, it was because I was a knucklehead going, <laughs> What? Yeah. I, and I don't, I don't, I just, this is the thing. I'm sorry. I've just hijacked this, <laughs> but I, I'm, it angers me when it comes to when people accuse me of doing things on the show for ratings. Obviously I want to make it an entertaining show, but I, I never knew if numbers grew or tanked. I didn't know those numbers ever. I was just told a, a an average, this is the, you know, what you listen or whatever, or how many people listen. I, it yeah. blows my mind that people would would come to you and say, "In my ministry, how do be, how do I become famous?" Yeah, and and they would say it in different ways. And I mean, the reality is, I want great organizations to be known because they're doing incredible things, and it can expand the impact that they have. You know, to be known. that is different. Yeah. But I think that there are there are there's there's a weird culture and I think it's shifting but I mean I've been doing this for long enough now that I've seen a lot of trends also so I started in my career at the height of the prayer of Jabez and oh, left behind yeah. series so this is when you know so so things have changed dramatically since then but okay I want to <laughs> so Drew's I mean, we lost Drew so I want to ask Bev a question again <laughs> So Drew comes home and says, I'm going to go temporarily blind. How do you respond to that? Oh, <laughs> great, honey. Um, no, I mean, obviously, whenever Drew decides to do one of these things, it's his thing. So I've always been very busy with what I do. And then his thing has been his thing. Um, Sometimes a crossover effect of him doing his thing really affects my life in a lot of ways, as being blind might affect someone else's <laughs> life, yeah. living in a home and going places and driving. Even, you know, him giving up his phone and out. Because he needs yours. And, He's not not oh, using yeah. one. It's he like, still needs he yours. Goes, Did you make that list? I said, no, you've been on my phone calling people. I haven't been able to make the list. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, that's just part of the partnership, but that has been our lives, so that's nothing new to me. Um, but I just like to say, I think Drew's charisma comes in his authenticity. Mm -hmm. Like even when we were in Australia, we went there to help someone else with the camp. We didn't go there for him to pastor. And based on our life experience and being in the camping ministry, Drew had done some um, Bible college courses. You know, looking to get a job, he got offered uh, a pastoring job. And that job, I don't even know what the numbers were, but the evening service, which is the youth service, grew 
Hmm? The young adult, the, the beach crowd. Adults, Every, everybody yeah. who has a pulse is on the beach during the day. Then they go to church at yeah, night. They okay. They don't, yeah, they don't do Sunday morning church because life's too short. You want to be on the beach. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that service grew in leaps and bounds and f- packed out from, you know, a handful of people over the first couple of years we were there. And I think that was because he was different because he wasn't saying he was all that. And a bag of chips. <laughs> the 80s yeah. called. They want their saying back. <laughs> um, he was authentic in his struggles and his beliefs and how he, you know, he would read, you know, have a sermon on something. I was like, what do you think? I really thought, you know. So it was so new and refreshing to the congregation that people were coming out of the woodwork. So I think his uh, approach to life about wanting to be real and wanting to ask the real questions. So the, his struggle with faith, that just makes sense to me because... It's real. Mm-hmm. And I know over the years, there's been so many times that he has asked for that burning bush or that fleece or that tangible, God, you know, mm-hmm. where are you? And mm-hmm. because he hasn't seen that tangible fleece, physical evidence, um, he, he's had to struggle. Where I have seen what, like for the time we were in Australia— the way God used him to work through so many lives. And there you could have 20 people that would say, oh, God used Drew in this way and this way and this way, and tell you tangible, hands-on things that where God had used him. But he can dismiss that because that's just other people saying it wasn't real for him. So I think it's really, I think there's going to be a time where he's going to get what he wants. And I don't know how God's going to answer that. And maybe that's on the other side of this lifetime. He's going and to, that's he's, okay. And that's okay. I'm going to become it, a Pentecostal and get money. You know, he may, he may struggle. I the have rest. a lot of Pentecostal friends. Yeah. Oh. He may struggle the rest of this lifetime. But I have no doubt that, you know, God is just and faithful and he'll say, well done, faithful servant. Yeah. At the other side of it. Yeah. And so I think Bev and I will agree a lot more on different things because I hear this and I'm thinking the same thing. Like I think that this radio show, I actually think it really cost your family something for this radio show to be happening. And we want to talk about that. But I think that also this is part of the ministry of your family is that you were able to come alongside hundreds of thousands of people who are wrestling similarly. And Drew would kind of disagree with this, but I think you and I would say God used Drew and your family because you all, honestly, there's a cost for everyone. And when when one person chooses to do ministry, is this true? When one person chooses to do ministry, whether they call it ministry or not, because I don't think Drew ever called it ministry, but I am, um, there's a cost for the family. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Our kids, I mean, our kids are adults now and our son has a family of their own. So even, you know, hearing their take on our lives growing up. And we thought we did a really good job, didn't we, hon? <laughs> missed that one. <laughs> we missed, yeah, there's a few things we missed in there. But yeah, it's interesting as, as adults, we can, are just starting to have these conversations of their skew on how the whole God thing. I mean, not many families pack up and go to Australia for five years to do mm-hmm. ministry. And, you know, with the Christian camping, summers was camp. So they've had an extraordinary life. They've been able to do some really cool things, but you're right. It has impacted our family in a big way. Some really great things, some not so great things. And 
so when I met, when I, re- I think it was probably the first time I physically met Drew was probably at the Christmas party. I remember driving through a snowstorm oh, to Teen right. Ranch that's right. and having Bev, like having Bev there. It's so this is probably the first time I met you as a couple. Um, and you guys worked great together. Like it was cool to see. It was a really good event. I, one time Drew smoked us out. He didn't open the flu. Um, okay. Hold on a and- second. <laughs> Don't wreck a good story with facts. The flu was jammed and I didn't know okay. it. I lit the fire, smoked out the dining hall. All it was the exciting. guests were choking. Yeah. yeah. I think you threw it through the screen. I did throw a yeah. burning log through the screen. You did, actually. Burning log through the screen. So it was exciting. You guys have had an exciting marriage. Um, and then one of the the hardest calls that I have had from Drew was when he phoned and said that your marriage was no longer you're in the room together, so there is obviously a bigger story of this. But how does the cost of ministry get you to that point? I think in the name of God and other people in the name of whatever, whether it's financial success or whatever it is, you make excuses for being busy and working. And I think when you're working for God, you can give yourself that pat on the shoulder and saying, well, all these hours, it's not for me, it's for God. Mm. Um, and I think in Christian ministry, I mean, you have workers and you have non-workers. And if you happen to be one of those that are the workers, you just keep working till you mm-hmm. either burn yourself out or, you know, you hear about, you know, a lot of times people being burnt out. Mm-hmm. So I think I am naturally that worker. I don't like to say no to anybody, so I take things on. And I think um, as our marriage got worse and sometimes, I just naturally poured my heart into what I was already doing, which was working. Mm-hmm. So For the Lord. For the Lord. And for you know, a ministry that I loved, I, I still love. And it was easy to do that because it was something that I loved to do. And you do say, oh, it's for God. So it's, um, there's less guilt involved. Yeah. And you can justify yeah. it a whole lot more when when you can say... This is just what needs to be done because this is what God's doing. And when you have that gift of faith, it's easy to believe that it's good. Yeah, I get it. I get you, Beth. And that communicated to me, actually, her pouring herself into ministry or work. Or- As you're wrestling. So she's pouring herself into yeah. ministry, so, yeah. into what I'm, God's doing. I'm wrestling. You're wrestling. I'm a wrestler. I'm a full-time wrestler. That just sounded weird. In didn't more it? clothes, yes. than, yeah. <laughs> Not quite in shape, but uh, and so I'm I, I I'm really lonely in my wrestling, and I uh, the only person I have ever cared about is the person I'm with, and that's that's been Bev. But I show it showed. Uh, how do I say this? I communicated my desire for connection like this. Why aren't you connecting with me? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really help her want to lean in towards me, no. right? No. So what did she do? She poured herself into ministry and into work and for mm-hmm. the Lord. And we just went totally different ways. And Because yeah. I felt rejected. Yep. And she felt belittled and, and uh, not worthy of, of uh, she thought I, she could do no, nothing right in this relationship because I was just so aggressive in my, where are you? I need you mm-hmm. kind of horrible communication efforts. And I'm, I am, I think I'm fairly confident when I say I'm guessing that you are not unique 
in this so that when what you describe is actually not unique because one of the things you said in the uh in our last podcast was you know for for people who are in ministry and you know you know you're wrestling you know you should be getting out you need to just so you said it a a very sexist way but you said like you know you need to stand up and you need to be strong and say, I need to step out, like make a courageous choice. I would say, you said it a different way. I would say, make a courageous choice, be who you are and step out, you know, have the wisdom to step out when it's time. Um, and so, but when you've got a spouse who's wrestling to like, and you're disconnected and maybe this is where you actually, your identity is because that can also happen in ministry mm-hmm. is that your identity becomes your ministry. Oh, and this is what you were saying yes, before about I'm a like pastor. Oh, oh, so you don't work at the post office. No, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Well, how hard is it to give up that name tag? Well, and I, you know, well, it depends on where you live in Canada. It might be easier than some places oh, than other. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and I think, and I think, and also in changing times, it might be harder to call yourself sometimes a pastor yeah, than that. Yeah. But um, well, hold on. Yeah. But there's another angle to this, Ellen, and it's as as you guys have been talking about thinking. Back to Yacanelli and his book, Messy Spirituality. I remember him painting this picture of. Wouldn't it be? Oh no, it was a. It was a story about a guy who got up to, to deliver his last message as the pastor, and he said, "I'm stepping down because I'm having really bad doubts about uh, this this whole thing." And I was, so I'm stepping down as your pastor. And the congregation got together, and they decided to say, "They said to him, no." He said, "What do you mean, no? No, you're not stepping down." Well, what am I supposed to do then? You're supposed to stand up there every Sunday and work through what you're working through as our pastor, and we will work through it as a congregation mm, openly. Wouldn't that be an amazing mm-hmm. thing? But we can't do that. It's not, I think there's a bit of a pipe dream there. That may not be the reality, because in North America, we have this clash of, cele- the crossroads of celebritydom and, and, and spiritual leadership. It, the apex of that is North America. And we raise our, our spiritual leaders up on these platforms and they become celebrities and we worship them and they are supposed to know and they can do no, 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 we don't expect mm-hmm. you to be perfect. Yeah, actually you do. Because if I, if you gave me permission to unload and let you know what I'm really struggling with, you would ask me to resign. And I think some of that is shifting. I mean, as I watch culture, I see we've actually got two two ways that people are going, where it's like, lay your mess all out for the world, be enormously messy, and that's authentic. Yeah, that can be weird. That's weird, though, isn't or it? Or there too? is... It's called the Drew Marshall or, yeah, or present yourself, you know, as, as reasonably put together, admitting that you're broken, but, you know, reasonably put together and not so messy. Um, and, and so it sounds in a way like there was kind of like two, those, those two extremes in a marriage. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah, it's interesting that there's these extremes, like you were on the hyper end of messy and you probably were, you know, like, oh, it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. Have a cup of coffee. Well, I don't know if it was all good though. So here's the thing. Was it all good? No, but me being a nine, get back to uh, talking about personality types. Enneagram nine, Enneagram peacemaker. Enneagram nine, I'm a peacemaker. So I just want everything at home for me to be able to cope with being at home, make it as peaceful as possible. And blessed are the peacemakers. So well, there you is. go. Yeah. So he makes a joke about me asking if he wants a cup of coffee. Yes, I want to throw the cup of coffee at him, but I'm nice. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just say, oh, I'm having a cup of coffee. Would you like one? And pretend like everything's all good because that's what I did mm-hmm. in our home. 
So where, how do you get, so, and I, and I ask this because my husband and I have had, we're in a season where we've had friends who their marriages are falling apart and you find out after Mm -hmm. it all breaks apart. So my big question and Dan's big question, we've been really, this actually rattles us every time it happens. How did we not know? Okay. How did we not know? Number one. Why didn't they tell us? And what do we do now? Like, how do we help? Because Dan and I are both helpers. Like, how do we help? And there's actually someone in our life right now that, you know, I'm like, do I reach out to them? What do I do? Dan's like, no, <laughs> don't do it. Sorry. Does, Dan, does he sound like Casper the ghost? What was that? No. <laughs> He's just like, I know my wife. And if she gets an idea, she'll just move forward oh, on it, you know? But I guess, so here's a big question. So you're in ministry. And sometimes that's actually just even hard to tell people we are struggling and this is a mess and we don't know what to do. So, and I'm guessing that there are people who are listening that their marriage sucks right now and they don't know what to do. And I don't know that they're able to wrestle in a safe place with this. So like, what do I, so give me advice if this is happening, because we keep saying, are we the common denominator? (laughs) And I don't think we are. However, we don't want this to happen. Like I, like this is one of those things you see a partnership that you're like, man, they're actually, they need each other. Like you guys need each other. (laughs) So, Oh, I don't know. I think, there's a bunch of Hold things. On, she said, you need each oh, other. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I was convinced that we didn't, though. I had got to the point. And well, you is, don't this, need me. Well, this is like 28 year, 29 years into our marriage, right? So we weren't newbies at this. Um, I had convinced myself. And for me, I was hitting the big 5-0. I'm thinking, what does my life look like for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Who knows what I have left? So there is a reckoning when you go, wow, you look back. What have I done? My kids are grown. You know, what do I see for myself? And I was desperately unhappy at home. We had tried marriage counseling things over the years, but I had myself so convinced that I was never going to make Drew happy. And we were so two totally different people that there was no common denominator. And I think for us, the separation that we did when I decided to call it off I mean, his, his reaction. That's a big deal for a nine. Well, it was huge. But that's what nines do. They have those definitive, maybe once or twice in their life, moments where it's boom. Yeah. Here's the decision. Sorry mm-hmm. about your sound level as I hit the desk. <laughs> yeah, so I just went, okay, uh, this is it. So, but in hindsight, that's what Drew needed to take a big look inward. And for me, it wasn't about, I mean, some there's so many extenuating circumstances why mm-hmm. people... We didn't have any of that jazz other than our relationship wasn't what it should have been. So there was no extra circumstances other than we were both not happy. It wasn't getting any better. We were living separate lives we for separate a lives. few years before we actually separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kids out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So, but her question, but um, what's your name again? Ellen. Ellen. Uh, Ellen's question was, um, you know, what advice do you give to her and Dan as you, you know, you got all these couples and there's three great questions, great questions. Um, how did we not know? Uh, why didn't they talk to us about it? And what do we do now? Like, what do you, what do you say to the helpers out there that have people who's, who are around them, whose marriages are tanking? What do you say to those people? Mm, when they're tanking, it's almost already too late. It, I guess it's depend if they're open to, if their mind is made up, 
that it's over. I think it's different than, oh, this isn't working well. What can we do? So there's two different, totally different mindsets. But it did take looking inward to both of us, especially to come back together. Because to me, it wasn't about somebody else or something that I wanted for the future. I just knew that I wasn't happy and it wasn't working. And to continue in that did not make any sense for me. So I needed the break to even figure out who I was. It, let me uh, Because you guys were married young. Very young yeah. and had Josh right away. I knocked her up. Yeah. Well, yeah, so can our, we not our say that either. <laughs> you're fine, you're <laughs> fine. So yeah, our circumstances aren't the typical come together circumstances. Everything was bliss in the beginning. We've struggled They're actually from, not atypical. Okay, we struggled <laughs> but, from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. Um and we've struggled well and we've had bouts where we've um you know, tried to figure out what to do and it's good for a while and then it's not good for a while. So So why why don't people tell you in advance? Like, oh, come on. It's so embarrassing. And then if you're in the tribe, the Jesus tribe, dude, that's embarrassment times 20 or whatever. Use a bigger number. It's embarrassing. Failure. You know, we we, we hold marriage up in the, in the Jesus scene really stinking high. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not as, as, you know, you've said this numerous times in, in these conversations. It's, times are a-changing, right? It's mm-hmm. not quite as wacky as it, as it used to be. And... Yeah, divorce is, you know, um, being talked about a lot more and looked at. But the bigger question for me in your question is actually, why don't we ask the questions? Mm, yeah. People are not question askers. And we don't even maybe worse, want the answer. We don't want the answer, but we, you know why? And that may be, actually may be a good thing because I think at the bottom of, the, of all of this is we are horrible listeners. This is why with my show, I wanted it to be 16 years of me asking people questions. Uh, My model, role model for talk show stuff was Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson would have the odd goofball bit that made people laugh, but then everything else was about the guest. So is this, so am I hearing you say, if you want people to tell you, be a better listener. Yes, be able to start with, start. We all need to be better listeners, all of us. And, and I think one of the things you talked about in our in our first podcast is this certainty, this myth of certainty. And I wonder if part of the reason why we're not good at being askers is because we don't know if we'll have the answer exactly. when the person tells it's us. So good that, and that's the that's the, um, um, the subliminal message we get from the evangelical Christian tribe is you got to have the answer. Mm-hmm. You got to have it, it is a it is a culture of answers as opposed to Judaism, which is a culture of askers. So, can you be a Christian? And I'm going to ask Bev because I think she and I agree maybe on this. Can you be a Christian and not be a certaintist? <laughs> like you can know some things. You you can I can I no Drew wouldn't say this. I feel like I can know some things for sure because I feel like it resonates with my like I know it. But can you can you be a Christian and not know all the answers? Like, can you be in ministry, maybe? I think you can be a Christian, but can you be in ministry and not know all the answers? I think you have to be, because then you're not real. And I think this younger generation, if you pretend to know all the answers, and if you're not vulnerable, yeah, they sniff it out, and you're you're not authentic, you're not worthy even being listened to. So I, for sure, I think there's a lot of times we don't know the answers. 
And I think we're in a new season of needing to wrestle with that, of what does it look like to be authentic and not know all the answers and also not be kind of a jerk (laughs) or, you know, like it's okay to not have all the answers and to say, Hey, and you know, so we've talked about Bruxy quite a bit, but I think that's actually one of the gifts he gives is that he's very good at like wrestling through things and saying, it's okay to not have all the answers. And, and that this is actually, cause we go to the meeting house. And so he has a lot of times that the best way to have a spiritual conversation is to listen and then to not believe you need all the answers. And so I, I like maybe I'm just parroting Brexy subliminally, but um Isn't there a you know in saying that infringement here. <laughs> there could be. But I but I think that's part of it. And so I think in marriage, like I, and I I think if we are honest, in marriage none of us actually have it all together. And we feel like probably there's a secret key that we should have learned along the way, or that by the number of years of experience, we should have more answers, but we don't even have the answers for our own marriage. So how do we give them to somebody else about their marriage? And that goes right into my other thought on this, which is um, we don't ask because when they share, it's not that we don't have the answers. It's that we don't have the capacity to wear or take on what they're sharing. So Mm -hmm. let's say your friends share with you, we are considering divorcing. We're considering breaking up. Soon as you hear that, subconsciously, I think so many people go, oh my goodness, la, 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 la. I cannot take anything else on in life. Mm -hmm. I like you guys. I want to be pals. We want to go bowling every Friday night Mm -hmm. with the youth group. I don't know. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's fine. But man, what? My husband and I are barely dealing with it. And then his mother is having this problem and we got a health thing over here and our own kid is, I just, no, no. And the problem is, I said this before, but the thing I missed the most about being a pastor was being paid to be available. And we have not, we have busied ourselves so much that we do not have room for those we love. Mm. Mm. Unless those we love, their lives are going peachy or we only see each other socially or occasionally or on the surface. We don't have time for other people's mess. Yeah. And I think, I think that's totally true. And I think also the, so either we don't have the time and capacity for it. Emotional time, physical time. We don't have, we don't have that. Or we go in ministry. Our job is to fix it. Or we go exactly. Yeah. So we either go into like, I don't have capacity for this or we go into fix it mode and instead of saying, fix it, Jesus, we say, Jesus, how do you want me to fix it? <laughs> to be really honest. Mm. And I think that in ministry, that can be a bit of a trap. And I know that for me, I can have days where I feel like my whole job is to put out fires. And I forget, and it, someone has just challenged me about this recently, like who is at the center? Is it me at the center or is it God at the center? And, you know, with my child, do I think that actually I put myself in the center of all of her life and that God is part of this? Or is it actually God is at the center of it? I'm in the periphery and I just get to be part of her journey as she walks toward God. And I think that can be part of, honestly, a trap in ministry is that we think that our job is at the center to do, to be the fixer for Jesus. Is that fair? Yeah, I think in a lot of relationships, we get so busy doing the day-to-day um, and Drew and I have definitely had to do this the second go around is just extend so much more grace to each other. Um, because 
I, I don't know what he thought, but I thought the second time was going to be so much better and a new understanding, and we've got new revelations about each other. You guys are more perfect. We're definitely more perfect, but the same triggers are there. Um, and you add on to that, we're in our 50s now, and we forget things, and we don't hear so well anymore. And Muscle relaxes. Did, and- didn't, you, didn't you hear that? Or, you know, there's just so many other uh, things to add to it that we just have to constantly keep reminding ourselves to, you know, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, offer each other a little bit more slack and not to get bugged about little things that are insignificant. I I love the lead up of that. No, no hold on. Because, a lot of words are coming. Because, um, okay, look, there's the dude who's got, who's got four kids and the only job he can get is at the factory working midnight shifts and he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And then he asked you in order for things to, he's going to pick some, you know, the part-time job or something, man, hats off to that guy, right? He's not sitting there watching Oprah going, just, just do what you love and the money will follow. What a load of crap. He's putting the money on the table. He's, he's just putting in the hard yards. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Don Cherry on things mm-hmm. here, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I have so much admiration for that um, because, you know, imagine him going, listening to me going, no, you just need to slow down, right? Just have a create space for people and, you know, maybe twiddle your thumbs in the corner and mm-hmm. wait for somebody's life to fall apart and then you can be available. Wouldn't that be na- Oh my goodness. You know, he barely has time to sleep. Uh, let alone spend time with his kids and et cetera, et cetera. So there's that. But then in the Jesus scene with the Jesus people, I wonder if we should Hmm, I just said we. I wonder if we You've should. You've said it a few times today. It's it. my influence. I wonder <laughs> if Jesus people should be the leaders of better time management and creating space for the what ifs, for the maybes, for the, the um, um, well, uh, friends of mine wrote the, the, God, the, the books, uh, God Winks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those moments mm-hmm. where the, Mm-hmm. You, you have the, the encounter with mm-hmm. that random person that you would never have had if you had filled your life with as much stuff as everybody in North America seems to be living. The rest of the world does not live like this. Yeah, and I think I think when we are in ministry, and I because, Bev, you talked about this, um, but I think because I was a missionary for five years, I've been in ministry for a long time because uh, I was... I was 21 or I was 20 when I started. So that is actually a while ago. Well, she was about to let the math out of her mouth. (laughs) More than a couple decades. (laughs) So there we are. But, but I would say I heard a lot in my early ministry life. It is better to burn out than to fade out, which means you do whatever it takes. And, uh, and I've shared this with different people that that actually, so it's actually not the church or a God thing that I've had to, cause God never said that, um, God gave Sabbath. And so it's a human thing like this, this idea of, I need to burn out into, instead of fade out. But what does I need to burn out if I burn out, which, you know, as a family, we've even been wrestling with for me because I carry a lot. So, you know, if I burn out, what happens to our family? 
And, and, but I think that's actually something that we do need to continue. And I've been working on healing from that mindset for a lot of years now, because it's easy to do that in a Christian business, because who do I work with? I work with ministries and I care about them deeply and I care about what they're doing. And so that has a toll on a family and whether you're pouring yourself into it intentionally or unintentionally, that's so easy to happen. So, okay, but we need to go back because we need to, we need to hear this because you said our second go around. So, you know, I kind of, there was a gap because, so we adopted our daughter when, um, like seven years ago or six and a half years ago. And so like, I didn't get to talk to Drew as much then because my life looked a, a lot different. And, uh, and he gave me space probably because I was now an adoptive mom and he had an extra special part for me, <laughs> you know, a, a special grace for me because, because of that. Because I'm adopted. Yeah. And, uh, and so this adoptive mother's heart in me, you would just give it space. But so we hear, or I hear, and I go home and tell Dan, like, dev- I was devastated when I heard that you guys were splitting up because you guys are great. And I like, I like get emotional. Like that makes me tear up actually. Like I was, I was devastated and then things go by and Drew's, you know, cause this is just after the Camino. So you're telling me about the Camino and not talking, which was also like, I actually think you've had tangible God moments because you didn't talk for three months. No, that was (laughs) a tangible God moment for everyone else. (laughs) And then you had another tangible God moment when after your marriage had dissolved and fallen like it was gone Bev left Bev left and um oh, I didn't mean to sound like a victim there okay. Bev left and it made sense yeah and and I think we get that okay <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to fill that in blanket. the most in the okay. most loving way okay, I say it. that got it yeah. but um <laughs> but then I get a call and it's changed again so you also didn't call to say hey this is what's going on it was just like hey guess what's happened this is you know not bev's back but that kind of idea you know like and that was a i think that's a tangible god thing like this is a miracle that you saw in your life whether you see it that way or not i don't know but um like i see because that doesn't happen too often this is very unusual so couple separating for two years and then getting and back then together. getting back together. Were you actually divorced? No, or was it, it wasn't done. No, Bev is heading right to divorce, and I probably pathetically begged her to just not do anything for a year, and then a year turned into maybe a year and a half, and then about a year and a half, we you know we had to sell the house. We were forced mm-hmm. to work together getting the house ready. Uh, normally we'd kill each other in that kind of a scenario, but it was enjoyable. It was more than enjoyable. We, it was like, it was, and then we said, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to hang out? And then it was like, wait, are we, is this dating? What? No, it was building a friendship, a safe place where we became friends, probably for the first time. We were never friends. Oh, so good. We, we, we dated shortly, got pregnant, got married, never had a friendship. And that, and all of a sudden there was this friendship and it was, uh, and uh, wait, is this, a, I don't know if this is the right time to share this or not, but um, I had an opportunity to to legitimately take on the single mind. This, sorry. <laughs> time up. <laughs> An angel just caught its wings. <laughs> uh, my chair hitting the table for people listening. Uh, so I legitimately allowed myself to go, you know what? Bev's not coming back. Like I've suggested and hinted and wondered and hoped and did it. No, she is happy. 
being on her own. For her, it's not about getting into another relationship. She got two cats. She lives in a farm. She's got a dog. She's got the cafe. Just She's in a Hallmark it. movie. Oh, she created her totally. own little Candace yeah. moment. It yeah. was beautiful. So uh, The next thing that happens is a man in flannel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, on a snowy yeah. day. So... So I had to sing, and allowed myself to sing. What I'm trying to say gently or awkwardly is uh, I'm, I considered what the possibility might be like with that person as mm-hmm. a potential future partner or maybe that person or maybe that. So I allowed myself to go down that road mentally and think the about many, it. many, many people that came along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we are. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, holy cow. I did not know what I had until I lost it, proverbial thing. Mm-hmm. What I found out was my priorities became very clear. What do I want in another partner, in a, in a, in a wife? In a, in a, first thing, common sense. The amount of people out there without common sense is unfreaking believable Bev's got it in spades to the point where she's a little too common sensey and not enough. Hey, let's snuggle on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> Second one is um, uh, no drama. Third one, no games. Bev doesn't know how to spell drama, and she just doesn't do games. Just so good. And that stuff is out there in spades. Dopey people loving drama and needing and needing to play a game somehow. Duck that one. That's so good. And so, and you guys, now, how long have you been back together again? No, it's been three quarters of a year. Well, we rededicated, because we never officially divorced, so we rededicated our vows in March. Okay. On a deserted island off the coast of Mexico. Very romantic. Just palm trees and sand, me on my knee with a ring that she returned. (laughs) If he had learned anything over these years, he should have known not to pick out a ring. (laughs) Got it from Costco. Yeah, they take everything back. We tried. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, and I guess one of the things that in this, so I think there would be people who would say the reason we broke up and you would hear this in Christian circles is that we were spiritually incompatible. And I, I like, you know, there, there would have been people who. That's a phrase. Oh, I could. Yeah. Have you heard it? So again, that's an oxymoron. So there would be people who would say, well, Bev. You are have a deep faith. You've you know stayed true to this. He's over here somewhere. We're not sure where he is. <laughs> and, come back. and so you know they could have like people actually could have said it makes sense, you know. But but I think that and they did. Yeah, did they? Sure. So I guess one of the other pieces is can you be you you can actually be in relationship with someone because you were before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now you are again with someone who you have you actually have a very different spiritual experience in in Christian, especially specifically in Christianity, than each other. Like you actually can be compatible, and not necessarily. I'm doing air quotes. Spiritually yeah. compatible is that fair? Oh, definitely. I think it can be, but it's not where I want it to be either. If I had my dream relationship, we'd still be involved. Maybe not necessarily with the church, but with another group of believers. We used to do like home church or home Bible study groups. We're just connecting with other people, um, networking. So That's not what she's asking. But in, but in our relationship, yes. Mm-hmm. It's not where I think I would like it to be, but we're building on that. But 
am I okay with where it is? Yeah, we're, we're compatible. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Um, he's he doesn't care where I'm at. Um, I'm not always poking him. How are you feeling today? Do you want to do this? Do you want to go to the church? Do you want to do this? Did you see Jesus today? Yeah. Did you, it's the fleece, fleece out there? Yeah. Um, so no, I, I don't think that that is something that has to be a common denominator like it mm-hmm. is. I think you can struggle through your relationship uh, without having that common denominator. Is it better? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think we found our way. Were we spiritually compatible? I'm just still freaking this, out over uh, that you, phrase, you, right? You're going to get hung up on that. We don't no. need to- No, because you start to sound like Gwyneth Paltrow here. This is a, re- like, I don't. So the concept of spirituality should have something to do with you being less and others being more. You, you, there should be a servant aspect to, mm-hmm. to spiritual growth. For example, someone says, I'm spiritually mature, means they have a mental health problem because that is an oxymoron. That's the most ridiculous statement in the world. There's no such thing as someone saying I'm spiritually mature. It doesn't make sense. So as far as, what was the phrase again? Spiritual compatibility. compatibility. um, If there is a spiritual dynamic between the two of you, in the two of you and between, first of all, if there's a spiritual dynamic in in each of you individually, there's going to be a spiritual dynamic between you. And if there's a spiritual dynamic between you, then um, compatibility is not, it's not the goal. That's not the idea. It's not about being compatible. It's about um, there, there is a, there, what takes precedent over compatibility is, is, a, is a, a service. How can I serve you? And I struggle as, as someone who thinks far too much about himself as an Enneagram 4, not a narcissist just a bit of a, a bit of an in my head, you know, yeah. thing. Yep. And I, I tend to brood over things that aren't real. Yes. Um, I have to continually pull my head out of the largest orifice of my body and go, dude, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, to me, when it's spiritual compatibility is not actually the litmus test for me. I'll just be really honest about that. You hear it. It's an evangelical, again, air quote thing to say. But I, I honestly think, like, are you okay with each other wrestling with your faith? And as it is, too. You know, like, are you, I guess this is the question, can we be okay? And I think the answer from you guys is yes. You can actually be okay and be in different places and be heading toward, like, that idea of Jesus at the center means that you're heading toward him rather than you being at the center or you being at the center, even your marriage being at the center. You are two individual people heading toward the same location that looks very different for each of you. Is that fair to say? Sure, but we all grew up with this, with being taught about the family. You know, the husband is the, you know, and you lean and you know, and, and there's, and there's this, you know, as a couple, I'm people, I don't know if there's a video or audio or whatever it is, but my, my, I'm, I'm making a teepee with my hands as a white guy. Am I allowed to say teepee? So you go like this and, uh, and they're leaning on each other, right? And that's what you do as a couple, you lean on each other. But no, that's not what you do, especially spiritually, because when one person goes, oh, I'm not sure there's a God anymore. Well, what, look at the precarious position the other person is in. They're ready to collapse on, like, as well, um, if that is your mm-hmm. definition of collapsing. Mm-hmm. But if you are two people, just what you said, Ellen, mm-hmm. God created Bev 
and me individually. Um, and our growth is not dependent on each other. And, and my, it's the same thing with happiness. Happiness is a cheap word. I've always gone for mm. peace. But my happiness or peace, um, it, it's really hard. Hold on. Let me change this. It's really hard for Bev to like me when I don't like me. Mm. Did that tie in with what I said before? Mm-hmm. Or was that just like a second thing to say? No, I was talking about happiness and compatibility. Yeah. I, and the only reason Bev decided to allow me into her beautiful life, peaceful life that she created again <laughs> was because my happiness was not contingent upon how Bev and I got along. And hers wasn't either at that point. Yeah. It sounded like you had a pretty good thing going on. She grew up here. Yeah, it's good. So, okay. And this, I mean, this just, I, we need to wrap this up. We could talk forever, but I think that this conversation, and so you guys are probably the most honest couple I know to talk about ministry and leadership, even though Drew doesn't say he was a leader and Bev and I disagree with him, um, and marriage. And so I would say, because we've talked about like, who do we hope is listening today? I'm thinking, okay, like a, a 35-year-old ministry leader, I don't know if this person is male or female, and they are struggling and their marriage is not what they think it should be. And they are, they're not sure what to do next. Like, I guess one of those pieces is some people like you, they might hear your story and say, well, walk away, find yourself. Maybe you'll find each other again. Or like, is that the actual answer? Or is there something you would have done differently if you could have preemptively, if you could have had a preemptive strike 10 years ago? Bev? Uh, yeah, if I had grown a pair earlier or had not been content to just keep the peace, because that was at the cost to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and probably I thought kids. I was doing that, you know, for the kids and for the family. But in reality, it was just tearing apart our marriage because I was surface making sure everything was okay when it wasn't okay. Mm. Uh, so if I had addressed the issues back when I felt the issues and didn't, have this ability to want to keep the peace plus, you know, being so busy in what I was doing in ministry and that took a lot out of my day, um, then for sure I would say that would have made a big difference earlier on had I recognized that and not gone with, if I had identified who I was at that point and knew more about who I was and what I needed to do. So I think delving into personality types, Enneagram, um, understanding who you are fundamentally, who your spouse is fundamentally, opens a floodgate of information that has nothing to do with feelings. It's just information that you can learn about each other and how that person is and how they think, and it's not their fault. So it takes the blame out of mm-hmm. so many things when you can look at um, who we are and who our spouse is based on who they are as opposed to the feelings that they make us feel. Which is not easy when your, your spouse is wrestling very publicly and very loudly um, with identity. Cause that's what, that's really what the past 16 years were about where you wrestling with identity. It's actually, I, I think it's less about the identity of God <laughs> and your identity um, has been the wrestle. And so then Bev is, you know, how much space is there to wrestle with that? But yeah, you saying, I need I need to figure this out as well would have potentially been 
a really healthy thing. We did a, a series with Dr. Sue Johnson, who is the Hold Me Tight um, author mm. and uh, a world-renowned uh, psychotherapist, psychologist. Psych- She's like a marriage shrink. Guru. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and she talks about relationships being a dance. She says dance because she's British, but uh, relationship being a dance. And in order to fix the dance, you actually have to change the music, not the dance. Hmm. That to me, there was so much profundity in that, and so many layers of pulling that apart that I had to. We had to dive into what that whole thing meant with Dr. Sue. We have this whole video series. And on, those on episodes YouTube. are still available so they're online. On YouTube. They're so on, we'll link to them in the show yeah, notes. They're, yeah, they're on at drewmarshall.ca. There you go. Um, I'm not at drewmarshall.ca <laughs> anymore, but, but those videos yeah. are there. Um, and so what that meant was changing the music was, like if, you're, um, if you uh, uh, are, are, Bev's dancing a, a country swing and I'm doing the polka, <laughs> Which you probably are, <laughs> and and we go. Wait a second, we're not we're not doing a good dance here. Let's turn up the music. No, not turn up the music. Change the music. Now, well, what do we do? Do we change it to country? Do we change it to polka? Right. So there's all these intricacies there. And what I'm actually talking about is is you get into bad habits in relationships where you are simply reacting on based on reactions. You're reacting to reactions. You're reacting to reactions. You're not. There's nothing original mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You forgot what the original fight was. And Christians aren't immune to this, is what I'm hearing. Holy also, heart attack. No, yeah. <laughs> so and so, all I can say is, from my journey was, I had to go. Oh, hold on a second. This isn't. This is. I, I rediscovered the gifts. The thing I love about her. I rediscovered them and went. I don't want to lose her. Mm. So, dude, what do you need to do? Would you rather sit in an empty house that's nice and tidy and clean all the time because it's only you living there? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather live in maybe a bit of a mess, a bit of chaos, because Bev's got 19 jobs going and she's doing this and she's doing that and blah, 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 blah. But, would you, but she's there. She's in the house with you. Yeah. Which do you really want? And in order for me to do that, I had to um, uh, uh, take the story off of what is. So there's what is. Right? Just the facts, ma'am. There was an old TV mm-hmm. show. Just give me the facts, ma'am, like the FBI guy. And then there's then we put story on top of everything. Mm. So I started to pull back story. And the story for me was, dude, no one on this planet plays victim better than me. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I played it so well that I got Bev to believe that she could never be uh, part of my happiness. Mm. That's how well I played mm-hmm. the role of victim. I'm not sure if that had any hope or answer for anybody, well, but that was and nice. I, and I think part of what you've done in this season as you rebuild is you've also stepped back. Like I've heard you say that, that, yeah, so Bev, you've stepped back from that ministry that you were pouring yourself into. And then the danger is pouring yourself into something else, right? But, um, and I know that because <laughs> I am that person. Um, and so I, I put my hand up there, but I think, I think what I've also heard you say is that you've stepped back. And so, which often, and so we've talked about this a lot of times. We don't need to go back over it again, but because people just need to listen to the podcast, maybe rewind it if you've missed this, but um, that it can be really hard to do that in ministry when your identity is tied up in ministry. So, so identity is, I'm hearing a lot about identity and taking that step back. I don't know because Drew does everything extreme. I don't know if everyone will give up their phone and their everything and then just go, 
do Scoop barn poop. chores. <laughs> do barn chores. Also, I do barn chores. <clears throat> um, you know, but I think I think that actually is a huge piece of it. So I'm so glad that we've had this conversation, enormously candid, <laughs> which is great. Drew's a little less candid when Bev is involved, which is also great for me to see. So if you wanted the super un, uncensored uncut, version, yeah. uncut version, <laughs> go back to the first podcast with Drew. But thanks for being here. I'm so glad you were here today. Thanks for doing this. This is important stuff, Ellen. There's very few people that are doing what you're doing the way you're doing it. Thanks for not soaking this whole conversation with candy floss and rainbow farts. Next time. On that we note. We'll do that. On that <laughs> note, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening. We're so glad you could listen into this candid conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changemakers podcast brought to you by Graf Martin Communications, your marketing team for good. Graf Martin Communications is Canada's leading PR and marketing agency serving faith-based organizations from coast to coast. Visit grafmartin.com to learn more.